Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Church, I'm so excited to bring the Word today. We're continuing our series on sharing Jesus confidently. And I've just been so excited hearing the reports and the excitement and passion around being bold witnesses in this season. If ever there was a time for the Church of Jesus Christ to stand up and be counted and have a reason for the hope that we have, now is the time. I'm also so excited because we are on our way out of lockdown. And uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, we're going to be communicating to you in the coming weeks all the dynamics of what re-entry into live gatherings can look like. I just think it's really important that you don't get too comfortable locked down into your lounge rooms watching church because pretty soon we're going to be back at our locations meeting together. We're going to give you all the relevant up-to-date information. We can't wait to see you before Christmas in the house of God. Let us not forsake assembling together as the Word says. And uh, I I just know God is going to speak to you today. Why don't we pray? Let's get into the Word. Father, I thank You that uh, Revival Conference is here this coming week. I thank You, Lord, that we're uh, heading back to live gatherings. I thank You, Lord, that the Gospel is not restricted, locked down or limited. And that, Father, today I pray, would You speak through Your Son, speak through Your servant, speak through Your prophet, O God. Let there be an empowerment through this Word. Let our hearts be set on fire. Let there be like fire shut up in our bones. Let the name of Jesus be glorified. Let the lost get saved and let your kingdom advance through this Word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read from verses 19 to 23. This Word is burning in my heart for you and I know that it's going to impact many people today. Verse 19, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth and he says this, For though I am free from all, (coughs) excuse me, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Very interesting. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, Paul said, that by all means I might save some. I do it all, verse 23, for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. What a powerful passage of scripture. I want to preach to you t- today to you on the subject one more soul. One more soul. Last week I spoke on go after the one. Today, I want to speak about one more soul. Back in 2009, my wife and I were three years into planting and leading uh, our church at that time. And for about 12, 18 months, I went through a a significant season of disillusionment. 
Uh, that season was preempted by a lot of hard work. I had uh, overexerted myself in the previous three years trying to set up the church. We'd grown very quickly. And God was doing a whole lot of things and I was really pushing hard both in my own ministry, our leadership team in the church and uh, the church just needed a bit to take a deep breath in and just take a moment to recalibrate, get ready for the next season. But I found myself over an 18 month period really uh, operating on less cylinders than I had capacity for because I was disillusioned. I began to ask a lot of deep uh, soul searching questions of my life, began to really examine and reflect on my theology and really came into a fresh realisation of the power of the gospel. And in that season of disillusionment, I realised that I had become distracted from the main thing. And I found myself at a Global Leaders Summit listening to a presenter by the name of Wes Stafford. He is the former president of Compassion International. And several years ago, I in fact was a Compassion ambassador and advocate and would travel around Australia and in fact had the privilege of travelling overseas with Compassion and being a part of seeing what Compassion was doing as well as being an ambassador and advocate for that great ministry. And as I began to hear this man who uh, wrote a, a couple of books, but one of those books was Too Small to Ignore, all about his heart for children who are far away from Jesus, wanting to show the compassion of Jesus to them. <clears throat> As I saw his passion and his heart for the lost, something within me began to break. And I found myself in that whole presentation just weeping and to the point of sobbing as I realised in that 18-month period of disillusionment, I had got my eyes off the main thing. I got distracted by my stuff rather than God's stuff. I got distracted by all the voices that were around me instead of the main reason why God had called me in the first place. Pretty soon after that, I was asked to preach at a Youth Alive rally. And I turned up to this rally. There would have been 750 uh, students and adolescents in the building. And as I began to preach, it's like the convergence took place. Everything began to become crystal clear as to the reason why I was alive, as to the reason why I was there in that moment. And it was about one more soul. And as I began to preach, the presence of God filled up that auditorium and, and I could see God beginning to move on young people's hearts. And when we gave that altar call, uh, 92 young people came down the front and surrendered their lives to Jesus. It wasn't just one more soul, it was 92 more souls that acknowledged their need for a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I've learned life can easily uh, spiral downward when we lose focus off the main thing. Someone once said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the problem with keeping our focus on the main thing is that our world and culture has so many ideas on what the main thing is. Particularly right now in the current climate, there is a war for our attention. The principalities and powers of darkness are waging a war for our focus. And we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our focus in this season. And if we've got a little bit distracted by the newsreel and all the stuff that's going on around us, I want this message to be like a rudder in your heart, a rudder in our church, a rudder in our generation to bring us back 
to the main thing. If you listen to too many press conferences, you'll be mistaken to think that vaccinations are the main thing. And that may be an important thing, but according to the Word of God, that's not the main thing. If you listen to the protesters who are protesting about all sorts of things and reasons, you may come to believe that freedom is the main thing. Well, freedom is an important thing, but the Gospel says that free, that the main thing is actually something else. If you listen to maybe the federal government or the prime minister, it'll be all about the economy is the main thing. If you listen to schools, they'll say education is the main thing. All of these things are important and they're okay to talk about. But you need to know today that we've got to come back to what does God's Word say is the main thing because God's Word is our foundation. And if you want to know what the main thing is, you better go to the main person and hero of the story, and that's Jesus. Because a lawyer approaches Jesus and asks him, Jesus, what's the main thing? Which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and love your neighbour as you love yourself. He He answered the lawyer by saying the main thing is the great commandment. Love God love people. But you need to understand that that great commandment has an application. It has an expression in the church and in Jesus' ministry. As we read the life of Jesus in the Gospels, as we read the early church in the book of Acts, we discover that the great commandment, love God, love people, is best expressed in the great commission. Jesus has modelled to us what the main thing on the Father's heart is. Firstly, it's reconciliation back to God. It's been reconciled back to our Heavenly Father and our Creator. But secondly, it's the reproduction of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Reconciliation and making more disciples. What a person says in the last hours of their life is often their most significant and important. And Jesus, before He ascended to the Father, as He stood on that mountain with 500 disciples, He says in Matthew 28, 16 and 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I find it fascinating and amazing that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me but I'm going to use that authority to commission you for the main thing. That you are going to be commissioned to go and do what is ultimately on the Father's heart. And that is to go and make more disciples, to baptise them publicly in the Name of Jesus and to teach them, disciple them to obey everything that Jesus has shown us and taught us. Jesus pointed us to the main thing and the main thing is the Great Commission. Jesus' last command must become our first priority. This came home to me on a plane trip years ago. Obviously, you know, I was travelling around full-time itinerant uh, many, many weeks of the year. And on one particular flight, a lady seated next to me clearly was uh, experiencing some discomfort. And uh, little did I know that she was having a stroke next to me. 
And one thing led to another and she began to slump and slur and everything just became distorted, all the symptoms of a stroke. And we started that plane trip, you know, exchanging pleasantries, how you're doing, where you've been, just simple conversation. And within two hours, she now was having a stroke. The, the, all the flight crew, doctors were called. Uh, she had to be moved down into business class to be uh, attended to and cared for. And literally in a, in a moment, everything changed where she seemed to be okay and normal and everything was fine. It was gonna be a pleasant uh, flight for her. And the next moment, her physical health failed her. And I realised that every single one of us are on the precipice at any given moment from facing something that could cripple, not just in the natural, but in the spiritual, all sorts of things. And how precious it is to remember the main thing at every moment of every day with whoever we meet in our life. We come to think that we've always got time and we've always got another hour, another day, another week. But every person you meet, every person you pass in the street is actually a walking miracle being created by God that God is wanting to have reconciled relationship with and God has called us to go after the one and see one more soul added into the kingdom of God. You see, the greatest problems on planet earth is not the devil. The greatest problem on planet earth is not COVID. It's not issues in our economy, as serious as that is. The greatest issue on planet earth is sin. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That is the greatest issue. All of us have sinned. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short. And without Christ, we're lost and dead in our sin for all eternity. But I'm here to tell you today that there is a solution because the greatest solution on planet Earth is the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. You see, when Jesus came preaching the Gospel, He didn't just preach a Gospel of salvation. He preached the Gospel of the Kingdom. The gospel of salvation is nestled within the greater overarching message of the gospel of the kingdom. But the gospel of the kingdom, the good news that Jesus came to preach was that King Jesus, the Son of God, has now arrived and is here to defeat Satan and to destroy all of his works. The good news that Jesus preached is that Jesus is here to restore dominion that was lost way back in the garden in Genesis 3. The good news that Jesus preached is that now because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the empty tomb, you and I can be restored and reconciled back into right relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching right now. I wanna tell you there is good news in a world with so much bad news and everyone's heavy and negative and it's all intense and serious. We gotta get the joy of the Lord back into our message. We gotta get the joy of the Lord back into our spirits because there is good news. I don't wanna be a reproducer, a multiplier of bad news in this season. I wanna be a herald and a preacher of good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach and share good news. 
The Gospel is the greatest news 365 days of the year. You may be feeling all sorts of heaviness and weariness and I understand that. I've been there with you. There's a few little things at the moment we're all carrying and we're all navigating through. But you've got to remind yourself, you've got to get a Gospel perspective. You've got to remember what it's all about in light of eternity. The Gospel is always good news. COVID will come and go. The Gospel will be here forever because the Gospel is eternal and we're going to be able to celebrate the goodness of the Gospel for the rest of our eternal lives. You see, Paul writes to the believers in Corinth and the church in Corinth, the believers in Corinth, they're an interesting bunch. They've actually got themselves a little bit sidetracked and distracted with a whole lot of things. Way back at the beginning of the book of uh, the letter of Corinthians, some are following Apollos, some are following Paul. So now there's division in the church. Paul writes to bring the focus back. He, some of them are using their freedom for, to serve themselves and their own self-centeredness. And, and, and Paul writes to bring the focus back to the main thing. He says in this passage, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. We might not save everyone. We might not reach everyone, but we will reach some. And at the end of the day, salvation is God's business, but you and I have a role to play. He says, I do it all for the sake of the Gospel. You see, I've learned what you value, you will invest in. If you don't value the local church, you won't honour God with your tithe. You won't invest into it. You won't bother about online church because you're watching now and preaching to the choir. What you value, you invest in. If you value your marriage, if you value your physical health, you invest into it. I don't know anyone who doesn't value something that doesn't equally invest into it. What you value, you invest in. Paul valued the Gospel. He valued the message of the Gospel. He invested his life into the Gospel because he didn't lose sight of the main thing. Don't devalue the Gospel just because you're overly familiar with it. What can easily happen in the church, particularly if you've heard it once or twice and been around a while, and this is also a real occupational hazard for preachers, by the way, is that you can just say it and spray it and you can, you know, communicate it and hear it so often as you grow up in the church that you begin to devalue the greatest message that has ever been preached on the planet. What you may have heard 1,000 times, others haven't heard one time. This came home to me years ago. Again, I was travelling in Europe and... When I was ministering, every year I'd go to Poland and the Czech Republic and preach in uh, different conferences and churches and with leaders. I heard and discovered that there were 43,000 villages in Poland of one to 4,000 people that in the entire history of Poland, which is about a thousand years, have never ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why at the moment there is this massive push for church planting in that country because there are 43,000 villages of 1,000 to 4,000 people that have never heard one time what you and I hear every single week. 
And we wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet. I tell you why. It's because we're not obeying the Great Commission. We're not going after the one. We're using our freedom to serve ourselves rather than serve the cause of the Gospel. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world, Poland, Asia, Europe, Africa, America, all over Australia, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to all creation. And you've got to guard your heart from complacency towards the urgency of the Gospel. Numa Church, can we get back on point? Can we get back to the main thing? Can we get back all this nonsense that's going on in the media, all this nonsense that's going on in our city, it's gone on too long. Can we get back to the main thing of what this is all about, of why we're here, of why Jesus came and of why Jesus is coming back again? Remember when you first got saved and you started following Jesus, there was such a purity of faith, a purity of hunger, the church doors would open, you'd be there. You weren't complaining, oh, I've got to go to another meeting, got to go to another training. You weren't complaining because you, you're so sold out. You're so passionate. You don't need to tell a new Christian to share their faith with others. You don't need to tell a new Christian to get passionate and fired up in worship. They're there. They're right there. But often what happens, we think that over time, you know, we should become more mature in our faith. But often what happens over time is that we become more complacent in our faith. Disappointments come, offences come, somebody hurt us, something happened that wasn't according to our liking or expectation. Oh, I'm done, I'm checking out. Distractions come. And one of the chief strategies of Satan in this season is to disillusion us through the white noise of the culture and the world that is happening around us. And all of a sudden, boldness of faith is replaced by passivity of complacency. The purpose of a scattered church in this season is not passivity. It's actually for a tsunami of revival as we come out of that scatteredness and come back into a, a sense of gatheredness. God is wanting to bring about a move of His Spirit, not just through the scattering, but through the regathering of God's people. I love a quote from George Barnery talks about casual Christianity. Let me read it to you. It's very challenging. He says, casual, casual Christianity is faith in moderation. It allows you to feel religious without having to prioritise your faith. Christianity is a low risk, predictable proposition for this tribe, providing a faith perspective that is not demanding. A casual Christian can be all things that they esteem. A nice human being, a family person, religious an exemplary citizen, reliable employee, and never have to publicly defend or represent difficult moral or social positions or even lose much sleep over private choices as long as they mean well and generally do their best. From their perspective, their brand of faith practice is genuine, realistic and practical. To them, casual Christianity is the best of all worlds. It encourages them to be a better person than if they had been irreligious, yet it is not a faith into which they feel compelled to heavily invest themselves into. And we wonder why the Western church is in a decline. 
It's because it's been crippled by casual, complacent Christianity. I'm just telling you, we need to declare war on casual, complacent Christianity. I remember one time talking to an SAS soldier when I was in the uh, Victoria Police Academy over 20 years ago and he transferred across from the military into the police force and he was just talking about some of his experiences and he said, you know, the most dangerous time for a soldier was not on the battlefield, it was in the barracks. He said, because in the barracks, you're not focused, you're not on point and issues start to come. And anyone who served in the military know how many accidents, injuries and even fatalities can occur when you are not on the battlefield, but you're in fact just doing basic exercises on training zones and in the barracks. And I think sometimes we, we've lost sight of what it means to be at the front line. You see, when a soldier is in a foxhole with a fellow soldier and bullets are zinging past their head, let me tell you, they're focused. It gets your attention real quick. I've never been in a battle zone, but I've been a police officer and I've been in some pretty hairy situations where my attention was heightened, my senses were heightened, I'm focused, I'm ready. And yet when you go back to the comfort of that watch house in the police station, things are a little bit different. And often things can happen that you didn't anticipate because you've become complacent and casual. Do you know the most dangerous time for a Christian is when we get a barracks mentality. When a church gets a barracks mentality, it turns on itself. And the three Bs are the outcome. You say, Pastor, what are the three Bs? Boredom, bickering and backbiting. When a church turns in on itself and gets a barracks mentality, they get bored, they start to bicker and they start to backbite, which leads to the fourth B, backsliding. And what this often happens, I see it over and over again. And I just wanna tell Numa Church and every single one of us, it's time to get out of the barracks and it's time to get to the front line of the Great Commission in our generation. COVID restrictions are temporary, but the Great Commission is eternal. We are not on lockdown when it comes to the preaching of the gospel. We are not on lockdown when it comes to our witness and our example. And complacent Christianity, we've got to guard against. We've got to declare war on because complacent Christians have just enough of God to be comfortable in their freedom, but not enough of God to be effective with their freedom. And we have a value in this church. Freedom is our responsibility. And, and I believe what the Apostle Paul Paul is trying to communicate to the church in Corinth and what God is trying to communicate to us today with a spirit of truth and grace and love is that we've got to use our freedom in Christ not to serve ourselves, but to save souls. Use our freedom in Christ, not to serve ourselves, not to bunker down and just ignore everybody else on the planet, but to save one more soul. Paul said this in verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win one more soul, that I might win more of them. Your freedom in Christ is a responsibility. It can either become a stumbling block to others coming into the kingdom or it can become a stepping stone for others to encounter the reality of the person of Jesus Christ in the Kingdom of God. Back in Christmas 2012, leading our church and, 
it was a busy season. Every Christmas in the life of the church generally is busy. <clears throat> For us, celebrate Christmas, you know, generally at the end of each year is a busy season of preparation. Everything that's happening to prepare for services and outreaches and all sorts of things. And, 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 and I was a pastor, I'm a busy man. I've got a meeting to go to, I've got things to do. And I'm walking through the shopping mall and it was outdoors. And <clears throat> there was this uh, drunk man, this what looked like a homeless man on the bench. And I sort of acknowledged him with my eyes, didn't say anything. He looked like uh, he was sort of sleeping or something. And I walked past him and the Spirit of God spoke to me and says, I want you to go up to your office and in the fridge, get all the water, put it in a bag, go and uh, give him some water. And literally in my head, I'm having an argument with God. I'm like, God, I've got to go to this meeting. The team's waiting for me and I've got to go to this meeting and I've got to brief them and do all this stuff. He goes, Go get water and give it to this man. So I obey, go up, get water, put it in a bag, come down, introduce myself and give him the water. He takes all of the water. As I'm walking away, Holy Spirit said, now go and get him some food. I'm like, Jesus, do you, do you know what the schedule is today? Have you ever had this conversation with Jesus? Do, do, do you, do you know, Jesus, that there's stuff going on other than this dude on the park bench here? And, and the Lord's like, yeah, I know, go get him some food. So we go and we get him some food. We bring all of that back. And I'm like, hi, me again. And I give him some food. And he's really happy now. He's sitting upright. He's drinking his water, H2O. And he's got his food. And then I walk away and the Lord says, now go get him some clothes. I'm like, are you for real? This is now 30, 45 minutes into my busy pastoral schedule and you want me to go get this dude some clothes? Yeah, get him some clothes. So I go back to him and said, hey, I don't know if you need a new update in your wardrobe, but I wanna help out here. Would you be okay if I went and got you some clothes? What size this, what size that? So we go and I go get him some clothes and we had this sort of drop-in sort of thrift shop thing and the Lord said, no, buy him some proper clothes. And I'm like, this, you are a demanding God. Do you know that? The creator of heavens and earth, you are so demanding. And so I go, we go buy him some clothes. And back now I've got two bags of clothes. And I'm like, so now I didn't move anywhere. I'm now waiting for the next instruction. I may be slow on the uptake, but I get there in the end. So we've got water, we got food and we got clothes. So he's just looking at me. I'm looking at him smiling. How's the weather today? And doing all that. And, and, the, and, and as I go to walk away, the Lord goes, now drive him home. I'm like, Jesus, I'm not too sure that you're, you know what this is about, but he, I think he's homeless. I'm not sure he has a, so you ask him. So I ask him, hey, dude, God didn't know what else, what was his name? Uh, dude, um, hey, um, I'm just wondering, do you need a lift home? And he's like, well, I've got all this stuff now, I probably do. And, and so I'm like, hey, do you have somewhere to live? And he goes, yeah, I live in some commission housing, just a few K away. I said, hey, why don't you uh, come jump in my car, I'll bring my car around and uh, I'll drive you home. He goes, oh, that'd be great. So I go around, I just washed this, new, this car. I just deep, it was smelling sweet. It was beautiful. And now this drunk, alcoholic, uh, homeless man hops into this car. And as he's there in the car, we start to build this uh, rapport. We start to talk about his life. He uh, owned a business years before, was married with kids and the business broke down. The marriage fell apart. He's estranged from his kids and through a number of poor choices has ended up living uh, on the streets most nights, even though he has a 
a flat, an apartment to go to because of his addiction. As we get out the front of his house, I look down in my middle console. I used to put in a whole lot of dollar coins for all the expensive parking in that neck of the woods. And there's probably about $70, $80 of gold coins there in that compartment. And I look down and the Lord says to me, you know what to do. And so I get the gold coins out and I start stuffing them in his pockets in the bags and there's gold coins overflowing. And as this is happening, I just felt prompted to share with him the love of Jesus. And I said to him, do you know why I'm doing all this? <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm wondering why I'm doing all this. And, and he, he goes, because you're a good bloke. And I said, yep, that too. But I said, it's because Jesus loves you. And uh, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Christ. And today, the Holy Spirit, God put upon my heart to help you in some simple, practical ways. Would you be okay if I prayed with you? And right there this, with this homeless man, with all of his bags of stuff around him, I prayed for him and began to lead him in a prayer of repentance and salvation. I hop back into my car and I begin to cry like a baby because I realised that in the busyness of my schedule, I was ignoring the very person that the whole Christmas season was all about in the first place. Are you using your freedom to serve yourself? even for good activities, church activities? Or are you using it to save souls? A wealthy businessman was asked, how much money is enough money? He answered, one more dollar. If you ask Jesus, how many souls are enough souls? He'd say, one more soul. The parable of the lost sheep is that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. And in the final scene of the movie Schindler's List, the true story of a industrialist businessman, Oscar Schindler, he stands in front of 1,000 Polish Jews who he saved during the Holocaust using his financial resources. And as he stands in front of them at the end of the movie and they're all looking at him with gratitude and appreciation for what he's done for them. He says to them, I could have got one more out. I could have sold this car and got another 15 to 20 out. I, I could have sold this gold pin and got one more out. And everyone around him is so grateful, but in his heart, he knows I should have. And I could have, let me tell you, don't come to the end of your life saying I could have, I should have, because if you could have and should have, you would have. Let's be a people that make sure that what sent Jesus to the cross was not vaccinations and it wasn't restrictions and lockdowns. As important as those have been in a temporary season, what sent Jesus to the cross was one more soul. What sent the apostles across the globe and the reason why we even have a church to be able to preach online in was one more soul. What are you using your freedom for in this season? Are you using it to serve yourself? Or are you using it to save souls? Because when we use our freedom in Christ to share the Gospel of the Kingdom of God with every person we can, we keep the main thing, the main thing. Wherever you are right now, I wanna invite you to stand to attention. 
and stand to your feet and lift your hands and say, God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Break my heart, oh God, for the lost that are all around me every day. So many people are hurting. So many people are broken. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you and when you're in conversation with someone, would you remember this message, one more soul? There's something that you could say today that could make a difference to that person. There's something that you could say today that could bring hope to a hopeless situation. There is something that you could say today that will actually lift people off of themselves and to the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. Father, I'm praying right now in the Name of Jesus that You would baptise us with holy conviction. I'm asking, oh God, that beyond a teaching series of sharing Jesus confidently, that God, You would burn a bold, passionate burden into our hearts for one more soul. God, we can't do this in our own strength, but I ask today, clothe us with power from on high. Make us courageous, make us bold. Oh God, give us a heart of compassion, just as Jesus had for people far away from You. Lord, I pray for an impartation and an activation in Jesus' Name of this message that an anointing for evangelism, that it wouldn't be left to the special weapons and tactics unit of the evangelists, but Father, that every single believer, every single follower of Jesus listening and watching this message would be awakened and activated to share the reason for the hope that we have. God help us, I pray, Numa Church, to get keep the main thing the main thing. Let hearts be transformed, let lives be changed and let the Name of Jesus be exalted as we go into all the world and preach the Gospel to all creation. Come on, wherever you are right now, we wanna worship and we wanna sing. We're gonna shout Jesus from the mountains. We're gonna shout Jesus in the streets. Let's lift up that Gospel Name Jesus right now as we worship. And then I'm gonna come back and pray for some people to come into right relationship with God. Let's sing. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God, and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.